Hello and welcome to The Property Puzzle, the podcast helping you piece together the industry and your property career. My name is Rachel O'Shea and I represent Charter Hall on the Future Directions Committee of the Property Council of Australia, who is bringing you this podcast series. This season on The Property Puzzle, we are exploring the profession piece. We will be asking our industry experts to talk through their field, how it integrates with the property sector, where the industry is thriving and opportunities for improvement, and finally, how their field is evolving. Joining me on the podcast today is Chris Munoz, Construction Manager at Multiplex. For those who don't know, Multiplex is a global construction company who have been bringing large-scale, complex structures to life for over half a century. Welcome to the puzzle, Chris. Thank you so much, Rachel. Chris, I'd like to start by asking you about yourself and your pathway into the industry. Where and how did you start your career in construction? Yeah, well, it's a while ago now, but um, yeah, I did sort of find myself obviously liking those maths and science um, subjects, um, but very much not perhaps wanting that um, health or, or medical sort of paths. It's definitely looking for something in that technology space. Uh, so I grabbed hold of engineering, probably sort of year 10, something like that. Um, despite perhaps being told by some maths teachers that uh, I shouldn't take that path. <laughs> uh, quite happy that I didn't listen to them um, and, and I pursued uh, engineering. And within that engineering field, uh, I very much knew that it would be that civil structural space. Um, I didn't really dabble in any other of the um, disciplines. Um, so I was really lucky. I um, grew up in Melbourne, so I went to um, RMIT in Melbourne and um, did a civil engineering degree. And in that first year uh, of that degree, there was a uh, women in engineering uh, scholarship on offer. So I thought I'd give that a go. And um, I was awarded that, one of um, five females um, in Victoria that actually got that uh, scholarship. And that was with what was then Melbourne Water. Um, That's obviously since been split up into its, um, its various private entities. Uh, but Melbourne Water offered a, a really wonderful um, scholarship. Um, it obviously had some financial aspects, but the main thing was that I was um, I was working, and I was doing that touching feeling and talking to people in the industry. And it was right up until end of third year that I was put actually out on a well, it was a construction site. Um, obviously, it was civil space, and it was a um, a tunnel line uh, for a new sewer. Um, so Melbourne, okay, not too old in the rest of the world, but pretty old. So it had some um, some pretty old sewers, and one had collapsed, and we were uh, tunneling a new one. So I think that that was really really paramount for me. It was uh, being on that job face, um, having that aspect of sort of being in the office as well as getting gumboots on and um, going down this tunnel. And um, looking at this massive, um, you know, rotary boring machine, and I quite liked it. And um, and then I think the whole planning side of things, project management, um, it just really resonated. And um, that that w- that really cemented construction for me. And then it was more um, probably acknowledging that I prefer to go upwards rather than horizontal. <laughs> um, so yeah, buildings. That leads me, I suppose, to your current role in construction management. Mm. Could you give our listeners an idea of what your job involves over the course of a project? Yeah, so obviously I've progressed or have um, 
been in a number of different roles since starting, um, but they've broadly all been very much site-based uh, operational roles. So what I do today obviously wasn't quite uh, exactly what I, I did, obviously, um, to, you know, getting to this point. Um, but my role now is very much more of a, a broader um, part of the business. Um, it has sort of an operational side as well as uh, working on the business. So it can be having an actual live project and a full project team running that project and me being sort of overarching responsible for that project, uh, as well as in that front end new business, actually tendering and putting that tender together and talking to new clients and actually um, trying to win a project, uh, really. And then, as I say, it's working on the business. So it's our people, it's training, um, you know, it's health and safety, it's quality. So sort of touching a lot of those operational roles as well. It sounds as though, you know, you really like... um I guess, very variation, you know, and how um, each project offers something a little bit different. Do you find, though, that there is anything cyclical about, you know, construction management? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, in actual fact, there is. Uh, there's a lot of common commonalities, but I guess that doesn't quite cement for you until you have come up a number of those job roles and um, participated in a number of projects. So, yeah, at the beginning, you're very much um, potentially just a trade um, or, or, or discipline focused. So it might be um, joinery or it might be carpet. Doesn't sound exciting, <laughs> but it can be. Um, and and then you sort of go and you just get broader and broader in your perspective of things. So once you have been a project manager of a few projects, you do learn um, from that, obviously, and you do learn, but very much it's around that team and getting the best out of your people. Um, but in terms of the technical side of things, there's always common and then there's the uncommon, as you say, <laughs> yeah. Are there any expectations you had about this career path that you found have differed from reality, you know, either in a good or a bad way? Yeah, I suppose it's like anything, until you're actually living and breathing something, you don't quite know what you're getting yourself into. Look, I, I probably looked at it um, quite broadly in how I wanted my day to look, how I wanted to feel at the end of that day. Uh, I definitely want to travel um, on my radar, which I have been able to successfully do with Multiplex um, and Brookfield. Um, so I think it really has uh, – I have really got out of it what I thought I was going to, probably a lot more, um, but that tangible aspect was what I was after and that's 100% what it is. Yeah, seeing a project from, you know, concept to completion – and yeah, yeah. Knowing you worked across it the whole time is yep. definitely yeah, no. rewarding. I imagine. Yeah. Um, what skills would you say you know are most crucial to succeeding in this career? Um, what type of person do you think you need to be? Yeah, I, I would sort of say that you know that technical aspect is almost a given. Um, you know, you obviously learn a lot more than um, what you need, or you need a lot more than what you learn at university, but sort of assumed that that technical base is there. So I'm probably more looking at sort of softer uh, type skill sets. So, you know, it's definitely um, listening. 
It's definitely um, having, and these are all learnt, um, but a bit of an art of negotiation. Um, I do believe, though, uh, you, you do need some sort of resilience. And again, I do believe all these um, characteristics can be learnt. And resilience does grow as, you know, you progress in your career. Definitely... I, I still want to say leadership, um, and I think again everyone can um, show leadership. You can show leadership, um, you know, when you're a graduate, first year out, and that's just simply, um, you know, participating um, as a team member in your team, being active, um, showing interest, always wanting to learn, asking questions. So I think there's a lot of soft skill sets that are really, really necessary. Because at the end of the day, I do joke and I say to people, I don't do anything. Um, I just get other people to do it. And, you know, and that's in the form of some, con- you know, subcontractors and operatives out on site. Uh, so, it, you know, you really are um, having to coordinate enormously against uh, people that are from all different works, walks of life, um, clients, consultants, uh, neighbours, other stakeholders um, and your operatives on site. Chris, you have over 20 years in the construction industry. I've stopped counting, yeah. yes. <laughs> I took that off your LinkedIn page. Um, how do you find the industry has changed with regards to diversity over this time you know, were there any challenges you face, particularly as a female in a male-dominated industry, that perhaps aren't as prevalent now? Yeah, it's a really hard one. Um, I guess it's not something I try and dwell on or think about too much. But yeah, look, twenty-something years ago, I was definitely the only female, generally on a site, apart from sort of the site secretary, secretary or something like that. Uh, maybe in a consultant team, there would be. I. Don't think I – obviously, I didn't feel any different. I didn't believe that I was any different, so I did just sort of steam ahead. But, yes, there definitely were um, individuals and general feeling many times. Um, and just that mis, 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 um, rep, misperception, I suppose, and I'm, um, I have a broader mind to sort of appreciate that. And so, you know, there were many times as a project manager sort of walking into, uh, you know, maybe a final negotiation meeting uh, with a certain trade and I would walk in with a quite younger male and, uh, you know, the eyes and the whole gesture um, was actually towards that um, individual. And I just didn't really feel that that was something that needed to be highlighted. Um, I felt that by... Having and entering into conversation um, with that individual, I slowly saw those eyes sort of move um, to my direction and, and, and didn't move away after that. So I think it's, um, you know, the way you present yourself and um, enter into conversations with individuals. Um, we're all human at the end of the day and I think that um, you can just get everyone at that sort of level. Um, most people, you know, will respond to that. But yeah, look, it's it's still challenging. Um, you know, I'm quite a participant in um, NAWIC, so National Association of Women in Construction, and obviously do everything I can to um, support our um, females um, and just in general. Diversity a- as a whole, we've come a, we've come a little way, but you know, I, I do feel we have a, a long way to go, and that's all senses of diversity um, as well. How you know, you, you mentioned that we still have a little way to go. How can we 
encourage more female participation within the construction industry? Um, you know, is that something that perhaps starts, you know, at high school? I know personally I went to an all-girls school and subjects like shop weren't offered to me um, and, you know, undertaking a trade wasn't something that was really spoken about. You know, it, perhaps is that where Look, absolutely. Um, education and knowledge um, are, are paramount and, and we all know information is power and so it is going into quite young um, school settings and and advising. It's also advising parents um, because sometimes they haven't perhaps might not be supportive, um, but they need to um, sort of understand uh, what what that could that what's that sort of life could be for for their child. Um, school teachers, um, school advisors, all that sort of stuff. Um, but from an industry point of view, we do have a lot of work to do in um, our retainment. And that's probably where I'm most focused. But I do appreciate there's all spectrums um, in which we need to uh, improve and participate. But for me, it's retainment. So interestingly, we get a lot of um, female graduate applications and they are, of course, excellent. Uh, so, I don't, you know, getting them in the door, yes, we can do some more work, but... I really want to um, shape and look at, well, then what does it mean? Because somewhere around that five to seven years, um, they do females do fall away. And there's a whole range of issues obviously there with respect to um, life choices, to parenthood, to feeling that they can actually do both of those sorts of roles. So uh, within Multiplex, I've... Um, I established and obviously with the support of HR and obviously the rest of um, Multiplex team is actually implement more of a inclusive um, parent policy and that, that, that really is aimed at getting, um, is trying to retain our females in very senior positions and there's a whole range of offerings there but I guess the first thing is is that you can come back in any role um, in part-time um, as a parent um, so those traditional operational project management roles that, quite frankly, when I went through was it just there was just no chance in hell that I even did bring that sort of subject up. Whereas we're talking about it and we're doing something about it. So that is we've just got to keep continuing that conversation. Chris, Multiplex is a huge company with plenty of projects underway, most notably. Queen's Wharf, mm -hmm. what do you think Multiplex does particularly well compared to other construction companies? I mean, you just touched on inclusion, um, but is there anything else? I think Multiplex, um, and I, I've had the absolute wonderful opportunity of working um, in other countries um, with Multiplex and um, abroad at Brookfield. And what I can say is that there is always a common theme with our people and that is very much a can-do attitude and really want to just go above and beyond and that outperformance. I've had to draw on skill sets all over the world when I've been doing particular tasks and, and I've always found it's just that common willingness to help and, um, and just go out of your way for other people. So that's what we offer to our clients um, is... We like, we like problems, we like solving them and um, we, we, you know, yes we can build and yes we are strong at that but I think it's what else we can bring to the table in terms of, you know, value management, engineering, etc. 
Um, Chris, you've mentioned traveling earlier, um, and I know you've worked across the globe, um, you know, in the UK and Brazil, and obviously here in Australia. Um, what are the key differences between, you know, those projects? Are there examples of projects you've worked on that you would describe as groundbreaking or, or pioneering in the industry? So in the UK, I was one of the first two individuals to commence the new Wembley Stadium project. Look, I think any of those projects are just remarkable and, um, you know, there was engineering feats there in terms of um, a very significant arch that was both architectural and structurally holding the roof up. So, you know, being involved in discussions about how you're going to lift tonnes and tonnes of steel and put them in their final position and and, and just being in the room in those discussions is is wonderful. Um, and I think every project does sort of stretch the boundaries um, of engineering or of materials or et cetera. So I'd say that was probably, you know, there were some groundbreaking um, items there. I've also worked on the Melbourne Convention Centre um, in Melbourne, the new, the new project. And... Um, you know, again, um, you know, we, we were building, uh, and I was responsible, we were building a new um, plenary hall, which is a 15, uh, f- sorry, 5,000 um, seater um, multi-purpose uh, facility. And we sort of really had to, from from a concept, um, engineer and design uh, a whole range of seating that actually turned 360 degrees. Um, so 180 to obviously have a flat floor and then we brought those seats up. So look, that was all very initial um, technology and obviously it's getting the right partners but um, yeah, there have been some pretty fun, fun things to work on. How do you think innovation has assisted in advancing the construction industry um, and where do you see this heading into the future? You know, we, we all know technology has made um, our lives a lot easier Um is there anything else that you can think of or anything particular? Yeah, look, I think all those things are only ever going to add to what we already have. Um, we've been using concrete and steel and, you know, very basic, I say basic, but amazing um, materials um, for our construction. So, you know, I don't see that that's going to change enormously, although we obviously do need to look at um, – you know, the fact that concrete is one of the biggest contributors to CO2 emissions um, and, you know, there is various people trying to look at how we can, um, you know, change some of those materials um, in that construction. But, you know, those basic act- those basic materials and those activities of pouring and, and laying steel are probably not going to change too much in the future. But what I think um, is very helpful is obviously, you know, AI in terms of getting a, a global feel of what's really happening on your site from a safety point of view. I think getting information very quickly um, also can be very helpful in terms of potentially planning and replanning resources. So if you can be, you know, counting certain amount of trucks or loads or unloads and if there's and a way to analyse that and make things uh, more efficient, then I think that will be extremely beneficial um, to the industry. Obviously, modular has been around for a long time and it really is one of those things that's sort of, um, it's really project specific. So, you know, bathroom pods, um, uh, those sorts of things and, and any other modular can definitely help with um, 
safety for one, um, doing a lot of things off-site, but also time. It can um, assist as well in time and quality. So probably just pursuing all of those sorts of aspects in, in a lot more detail. Yes, we definitely know that um, some of the biggest barriers to projects um, are time. Um, Indeed. Chris, how do you find the industry works together? You touched on the importance of coordination um, and collaboration earlier. Are there ways we can improve the construction process from concept to delivery? Yes. <laughs> Where do I start? Yeah, look, at that, that, there's obviously many, many ways. Um, I think we all know that at the moment in Australia, um, you know, hot, hot topics and a lot of topics around building confidence, uh, quality um, of our construction sites um, or, or construction deliveries. Um, we have consumers that are wanting a whole lot more and they're wanting answers to certain, um, certain things. Um, we know that we've had certain fires in buildings and, you know, just general life safety aspects. So it's a really, really, really important thing that we all need to um, take stock of. Um, look, I know there's engagement with, with governments, but, but really there needs to... We need to perhaps not be running to the bottom in terms of um, our choice of a builder. We need to um, establish perhaps more of an even playing field in terms of uh, what we are actually pricing and certain um, standards. Obviously, we have our NCC, uh, but it doesn't cover everything, you know, and it is a minimum um, requirement. So... You know, obviously Multiplex would have certain other internal over and above rules. So things like waterproofing, um, things like passive fire um, and a whole lot of other checks and balances. So I think that um, I think that governments really do need to assess also their procurement um, process and um, – you know, PPPs historically have have really been difficult for um, for for the builder, where literally all everything and all responsibility is really on their shoulders. So I think a maybe a bit more of a lateral. I know it can't be too lateral, but a little bit more of a, a lateral um, responsibility matrix across the stakeholders um, would be very helpful. Um, I think um, you know projects are trying to be quicker and cheaper and so I just think that something has to give there and um, you know we don't want to lose um, that quality so we do need um, some sort of process to not perhaps accept programs and prices that are really not not um, not conducive to achieving the right goals. Speaking of quality um, and then continuing along the line of collaboration. Um, you obviously work with a variety um, of consultants um, from a variety of different fields um, and when a building or a project is designed, you know, there are obviously architects and services engineers and construction engineers Can and then multiplex obviously come in and price and program and get selected to build. Can you talk us through a little bit about the novation process and why this is so important? Novation of consultants? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as you're right, that's, that's generally what would happen in a design and construct 
contract where those consultants are initially engaged by the, the client or principal and then at a point of agreeing a lump sum DNC price, usually those consultants would be um, contractually novated to the main contractor, which then means that they, they are responsible. So that main contractor becomes the designer contractually. And they do that obviously via all their consultants, but they are contractually uh, the designer. So, you know, that's, that's a lot of responsibility. And um, whilst each individual discipline of a consultant, um, you know, is obviously employed for that because they're experts in their field, um, there's still a lot of gaps normally and coordination which that main contractor um, needs to do. What advice would you give to someone who wants to work in the construction industry, someone who's just starting out in their career or someone who's perhaps thinking of a career change? Well, you just got to get in there. It's, um, it's, a great, it's a great life. It's a great career. It's, it's very rewarding. But if you're, you know, in doubt, so I just think talk to as many people as possible. Um, I know it might be hard to get access to a building site, but um, I'd like to think that we would be open to um, you know, maybe escorting um, someone or, um, you know, just showing showing them what it is like. As I say, it's, it's, it's very rewarding. It's, um, it's a very diverse day. Um, it's very challenging as well. As I say, you do need, you know, a good bit of that resilience. Um, but if you're up for a challenge and you like problem solving and you generally like people, I'd say give it a go. Sounds great. Well, Chris, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today um, and thank you for joining us on The Puzzle. Thanks so much, Rachel. Thank you for listening to The Property Puzzle. This episode was produced by the Property Council of Australia's Queensland Future Directions Committee. If you have any feedback or ideas for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you at thepropertypuzzle at propertycouncil.com.au. Don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes to help other industry professionals find us. Tune in next time for the next piece of the property puzzle.